0: Library podcasts are brought to you by the Seattle Public Library and Foundation. To learn more about our programs and podcasts, visit our website at www.spl.org. To learn how you can help the Library Foundation support the Seattle Public Library, go to foundation.spl.org.
1: CBSS Cell blocks like slave ships. I said the cell blocks like slave ships. Cell blocks like slave ships. Everywhere I look, I see the cell blocks like slave ships. Cell blocks like slave ships. Cell blocks like slave ships. Everywhere I look, I see the cell blocks like slave ships. With legitimating rationales supporting white supremacy. Cell blocks like slave ships. Policy and holidays. Celebrating slavery's architect's with no attempt to reconcile its effects. So consider this, the consequence. The system is working perfectly as it's transforming from slave ships to cell blocks. Those deemed criminals get no votes, get lynched with no ropes, and they expect us to sit quietly on top of this hot stove. But check, I see the two holes in the system It's either suspect or the victim. If you got a conviction, then it gotta be mentioned, despite if you write for the job description. But you can't give white folk all the credit. It ain't all they fault, we disconnected. We have what we need to evolve. We got problems but don't want to solve. And you might shed a tear for Tamir, but never forget why the king is not here. So I might invest in the weapon. I'll be the fresh prince with a new Will Smith and Wesson. Living with races and pushing the paces. On the corner with a 38. Body bagging with a litter grabber. He on the block, reaching for the waist. Do you fight for your life or you fight for respect? Taking them chances could win you regret. Walking the club with a full loaded tech and you looking for trouble, you might end up dead. But when a nigga got a gun, he a threat. When a cracker got a gat, he protects. That's a double standard on the second amendment. But two plus two got a full sentence. And we living in this life like we living in the system. Don't matter whether you suspect or the victim. So you kill or be killed, be real or be real. That's a cold combination and the synergy's ill. You feeling me still? Need no appeal to appeal. Arms strong enough in space to make an enemy nil. My gravity is reality. I'm pulling the pressure. So you better take notes like I'm giving a lecture because I'm living like a villain. Civilians fear a young Negro. Don't see that we some kings though. Suspicious skin on my people. Red dots on my dreadlocks. Only die with headshots like a photo. I'm loco. Got no love for the popo. Because the system got debts to pay back since way back. 1850, please recall the Fugitive Slave Act. That produced the police, but they won't say that. History books took the truth, like, way out of context. It's obvious that they hate us. Never claim to be racist. Passing more legislation based on discrimination. And I'm in between the peacekeepers and the heat seekers. Strays flying by from both sides. You know how beef lingers on your fingers, even when you're trying to keep your hands clean. Pop, 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 pop. Then a man screams. Bodies bouncing on the floor like it's a dance scene. So whenever cops around, we getting antsy. But never panic when opposition attacking. We gon' take advantage of everything we demanded. From Attica to Africa. Word to Mama Makita. My people push you Moja till it's over. And we packing up. Peace to every soldier trying to make it through a sentence. Probably given now to get a better preposition. For every punctuation that would ever try to stop us. We gon' keep the run on as we coming for these commas. Coppers to the courts. They shooting for the sport. Free the revolution. Coming soon with no remorse. CBSS. If you don't remember nothing else tonight, is that slave ships graduated and evolved into what we know as the prison industrial complex. And hopefully this film is a great depiction and explanation of why that's true. Much love. Peace.
2: Can we give it up one more time for Rail Be Free? So what you may not know is that after we have tonight's screening of Ava DuVernay's groundbreaking documentary 13th, Whirl Be Free, also known as Jarrell Davis and Dominic Davis, no, re- no relation, but incredible community organizers, will join us for an audience talkback. So we have a tight schedule for tonight. I want to start by introducing myself. My name is Davida Ingram, and I'm the Public Engagement Programs Manager at the Library. Tonight's screening of 13th by Ava DuVernay is the second installment of our Criminal Justice series and it is made possible by the Seattle Public Library Foundation. Please join the conversation via Twitter with the hashtag 13thSPL and tag us at SPLBuzz. And also, while we're at it, please take a moment to silence your cell phones. We will be screening this film with closed captions and it will be followed by a Q&A with, again, community activists Jerrell Davis and Dominique Davis. Our garage closes at 9.30 tonight, so I know we said that the film screening and conversation will go until 10. We are wrapping up at 9.30. So that means that after the film, we'll have Jarrell and Dominique come up to share some opening reflections. But I also wanted you to know that we do turn-in talks. So in the Seattle Public Library, we're built on community. And what that means is we want to build community when we do our programs. So when we get ready to do the Q&A, we'll ask you to talk to your neighbor about these three questions. How has over-incarceration affected your local community? After seeing this film, what is your vision for criminal justice reform? And what is something that you can do today and also tomorrow to help address over-incarceration? Sound like a plan? So for now, Let's get ready to start our film screening and directly after the film, we'll do our Q&A. My name is Davida Ingram, and I'm happy to bring up Dominique Davis and Jarrell Davis, who are two local community activists. My colleague Day is going to read their bios, but I also wanted to, just as we settle into the Q&A, for us to take a moment to check in with our neighbors. We mentioned that we wanted you to have a chance just to think about how the film affected you? Also, is there ways that you know that communities are organizing to respond to over-incarceration? So just take a moment to check in with your neighbor, and then we'll get the mics to Jarrell and Dominique, and they'll share their reflections about 13th, and then we'll open up the floor for questions. The mics are gonna run from the back of the auditorium towards the front, and then we'll close out for the evening. Thank you. So just take a moment to talk with your neighbor.
3: All right, everyone. My name is Day Zhang. I'm a librarian at the Seattle Public Library, and I'm here to introduce our speakers for tonight. Jarrell Davis was recently named as one of 15 leaders under 30 to watch out for by South Seattle Emerald. Throughout all his community work, Jarrell has had one main focus, making a difference in the lives of youth. As a performer, he goes by Rail Be Free. Davis is an educator, artist, and community activist from the South Seattle. He wears many hats in his Rainier Beach community. He is a servant leader educator at Rainier Beach High School and also coaches basketball at three different elementary schools. He is also a published poet whose two favorite poets are Tupac and E.E. Cummings. He organizes with Wall Block, Rainier Beach Action Coalition, and Seattle's People's Party. Dominique Davis is a co-founder and CEO of Community Passageways, where he works to bring healing, wholeness, and hope to marginalized youth in schools, prisons, and communities. He sits on the King County Juvenile Justice Equity Steering Committee, where he works with judges and attorneys to keep young people out of the school-to-prison pipeline. He also advises the Our Best Advisory Council to create long-term strategies to support young black male achievement. He also serves on the Mayor's Justice Advisory Committee, the Planning Committee for the Mayor's Youth Opportunity Summit, and the Immigration Immigrant uh, Family Institute Community Advo- Advisory Committee. Dominique also enjoys being a coach and personal trainer in the community.
1: That was our cue.
4: Yeah, i talking. <laughs> wow, that was, I've watched this documentary at least four times maybe five. And every time I watch it, it still infuriates me. It makes me very angry. I see this personally through my lifetime on a regular basis. All, I go down to the juvenile detention centers. I, I, I've been to prisons. Uh, I grew up in the streets. I've watched all my friends go, go to prison numerous amounts of times. So I've been harassed by the police. I've been beaten up by the police. I've been robbed by the police. I've been through all this, so I've lived it. And now um, it's time to fight against it. So when we sit up and we see these politicians making these laws, and we see this prison industrial complex eating our our black and brown people up like it was made to do, when we see these systems, because it starts in the communities and in the schools, and that's that's where the uh, system begins. But when we see these systems that are devastating us as a people, and we sit back and we wait for these uh, elected officials and these people that are making legislation, we're waiting for them to make the change. Right. And when we get frustrated, the only thing we can do is march. That's, that's, we've been doing that for a long time. I'm tired of marching. I'm tired of protesting. It's time to stand up and fight back. And the way we fight back is we break the system that exists. We're the people. We are the people. The system can't run without us letting it run. And as long as we keep thinking we're powerless, we'll never break this system. We've been made to believe that we have leaders. And we have to rely on these leaders to make the changes when these leaders are the ones that perpetuate what we're seeing. And until we realize that this system can't exist without us letting it exist, and we start coming together as a people and start putting our feet, (laughs) our mind, our heart, and our soul into breaking that system, we can make that system go away. And we can make that system change. I know you're sitting back going, I don't think we can. I mean, it's like probably confused because you know like, how can we do that that's exactly what I'm talking about we've been brainwashing and believing we can't we can break it community passageways is trying to break it right down and actually we've been doing a good job we've been pulling young brothers and sisters out of the system and building a new narrative for them when a prosecutor only has a charge sitting in front of them and that's all they're looking at as a case a robbery case, this kid just goes out and robs somebody. All he sees on this paperwork is that this kid took a gun, put it in somebody's face, and robbed that person. Well, give us that kid. We take that kid, we get that kid in school. We get that kid a job. We get take that kid through peacemaking and healing circles, dealing with the trauma. We take that kid, we make that kid understand the, the trauma they've been through, and then they develop their own story. And when they develop their own story of where they came from, the trauma they've been through, how they ended up in the criminal system and where they're, what they're doing now. And they're able to go out and speak in places like this. We go to, we've been to law schools. We go to conferences. We go to restorative justice um, events. And our kids are speaking. Our sp- kids are speaking at King County Steering Committee meetings and, and city attorney meetings. And, and they're going and telling their story. And we put that story on paper. And we put it in front of that prosecutor and that judge and say, this is how that kid ended up doing this robbery. This kid went through this trauma, abandonment, abuse, drug abuse watching his mom get beat, dad in prison. And now look where he ended up. This is how he ended up like this. Now look what's happened in the last six months since he's been working with us and our our team. Now he's going to school. Now he's working. Now he has a place to live. He hasn't did nothing but good because he just needed some guidance. So now the prosecutor has a different narrative to go off off of. The judge has a different narrative to go off of. But that's a, a, a result of community standing up and saying, give us the kid. Give us our youth. We're not going to sit back and let the system eat them up. We'll take care of our kids. We, ain't, we don't need you to do it. Change can be made because there's people in the system that are working in the system that have a heart and an ear and want to do something different. Right now is a hot time. It's a hot, it's, the hot topic now is restorative justice, peacemaking and healing, alternative prosecutions. And they want to do something different. We need to take advantage of this moment. And everybody needs to come together. Black, white, brown, yellow, I don't care what color you are. We all need to come together and build an alliance and build an army of people that'll start going into these courtrooms and taking people out and giving them services and opportunity. Because what's pushing these kids into these positions is there's no opportunity and no hope. We've been stripped of everything. Pulled out of our country. Our language has been stripped from us. Our history has been stripped from us. We've been beaten and abused and battered for hundreds and hundreds of years. We have to stand up. and We have to fight back. We can't be weak. We don't have the opportunity. We're the strongest people alive because we survived through this. Other races have been decimated that went through this process of slavery. But we're still standing. We're still standing strong. What we have to do now is come together and build an alliance and quit shooting at each other. And every 28 hours, these white officers are killing us. Every 28 hours, there's an officer killing a black man or a black woman or a black child. Every 28 hours. But then we're also killing each other because of self-hatred. Because we've been brainwashed, too, to believe that we are the enemy. How do we fix that? we got to come together. We have to fight back. We have to fight back as a unit with a plan to come into the system. But we need you, too. Because if they just see black people standing up, oh, here go those black folks again. Here they go marching and protesting and trying, always complaining. But if they see black folks standing up with every other race, creed, no matter where you come from, economically, education-wise, wherever you come from, it doesn't matter. If we all come together and stand up, we can break this system.
1: I just want to say I'm honored to be here right now uh, for y'all to just be one of the first voices that y'all hearing after seeing this film. I uh, don't mean to elevate my voice. And so with that said, I uh, just want to honor my brother, and especially I want to honor the sisters in the room, all the women. Um, it's, it's men up here right now. Uh, but one of the main things that I want to address is how this influences women as well. And so in the film, it's, it's predominantly focused on uh, black and brown men. But the fact is, is that the mass incarceration has largely affected young ladies. Um, and I believe that Dr. Brian Stevenson, who's in this figure, who was in this film, has a figure where he says, that the the incarceration rates for young women have increased by 600%. And and so I think one of the things that's missing in this film is its relativity to young women because I think that's a huge issue as well to know that it's not only young men that are being locked up at um, extreme rates but also young ladies. Um, But then also the fact it's not just black folk. And that's one of the things that we got to recognize. This ain't just a black issue. This ain't just a Latino issue. This ain't just a poor issue. Because it has it has ripple effects in other elements of our society. And that's my main thing that I want to push right now in my little two minutes is the fact that mass incarceration affects multiple facets of society in ways that we may not intellectualize or identify until we create an analysis on it. Okay, so we talk about mass incarceration. How does that affect the social structure of a family? Taking fathers away from the family that's affecting students. So when a kid goes to school, they ain't got a dad at home. That's affecting them. That's affecting mom, how many jobs she got to work. Okay, that's affecting the community. There's more and more. And, and, one of, and one of the things we say about the black community is that there's a lot of missing men. We're not dead. As brother said, we're not dead. But they're not in our communities. Why? A lot of them are dead. They've been killed. They're locked up. And as uh, Khalif Browder, I would challenge all of you to go and watch the Khalif Browder story. Um, It's a session that talks about Khalif Browder, the young man that was mentioned in the movie. The mental trauma, the emotional trauma of being incarcerated, how it affects you, it puts you into a, a mentality that you have to live in survival. So then once you do get out, you still have that mentality in your head. And some more than others are able to overcome that. And there are programs in place that are meant to help divert that. But a lot of our brothers and sisters are being incarcerated, traumatized, and then put back in the street and expected to become upstanding citizens without support. So when you go into this system, and as we said, you don't have to be doing much to be involved in this system. We talked about convict leasing, vagrancy, people getting... uh, Cleve Brother didn't do anything. Uh, They said that majority of the people that are in Rikers Island right now, majority of them are there simply because they cannot post bail. So it's not because they're guilty as uh, the dude that was sitting behind me he got up and walked out. And here's the thing, is when we come up against these things that may make us uncomfortable or may throw us off a bit or may challenge our worldview, we can't get up and walk away. We got to stay and have the conversation because we have to approach everything as a student. I've seen this film four times. I still got three pages of notes. That's, that says more about my note-taking than it does about any, any of y'all. But the fact is, when we come up against, when we have a preconceived notion or even a learned behavior, a social conditioning. When we meet something that challenges that social conditioning, oftentimes we are combative. We don't want to hear it, but we got to get ourselves out of that. And the reality is that most people, especially in Seattle, are disconnected from the trauma of mass incarceration. I'm going to repeat that. Most people in Seattle, people that live in suburbs, people that live in wealthy neighborhoods, wealthy cities, are disconnected from the trauma The directly disconnected from the trauma of mass incarceration. But when you understand that there's a lot of people in your community being affected by this, you learn how it affects you. Because, oh, those people that are walking down the street, that group of kids that's smoking weed near my apartment complex, maybe I should call the police on them because they're around too much. And and so I I just want to open up. I'm I'm glad that we're going to be here to have this conversation. I'm looking forward to hear what some of the young women think in the room. Um, and how this affected them, Um, but largely I want us to recognize that mass incarceration is not just about people being in prison. It's about affecting communities. It's about taking leaders out of communities. It's about breaking up families, okay, homelessness. It affects homelessness as well. Mental health, okay, and so there's multiple things that we need to consider when we talk about mass incarceration. Thank you all for listening.
2: So we're gonna take one of the mics from the front so that we can start opening the floor for Q&A. We probably have time for about five questions. If we're really good, I am gonna encourage you, if you do get the mic, please keep your question or comment brief under 30 seconds so we can get as many comments in. And feel free to direct questions about local organizing towards the front. Thank you. Do we have our first question?
5: I don't have a question, but I do have a comment. When I see how over-incarceration affects my community, and I've lived in several different places, but I feel as if like I have to be a mother to a lot. Not have to be. I want to be. I have to be. I want to be because some because we we're, we're not stepping up as people. Like we're not even looking at our youth as if they're children. It's almost like. There's a generation of people who have sold our soul to maybe technology or partying or whatever it is you do with your life. And we've let many systems, not just the criminal system, but the education system and the healthcare system, come in and rape and rob us and our children of of things that we just deserve as being human. And one with the education system, our children first need to be taught the truth about our history, because there's a lie being told to our children from the moment they step into the education system. And how can you be a productive member of society if the only leaders and rulers you have to look up to don't have faces that look like yours? And every face that you see that look like yours is a face that has been traumatized or abused or crumpled over. And so I've always pushed for mandatory black history and whatever other race you are, mandatory history in your culture as well. Because you don't know where you're going if you don't know where you came from. And we're never going to get a fair shake as black people about the truth about who we are. And then for white people, if I was, you, I'd be wanting to know the truth about why does my race hate so much? Why do we go around and do these things to all these people of color? It, that would—that's just me. I would want to know why. Um, the other question of after seeing And this Madam, film, I am going to
2: ask you if you could wrap it up a oh, little bit because we have to get to other people okay. in the audience. But you're on a roll, and okay. we appreciate well, it. But I'm keep gonna on just, going.
6: I'm going to just stop right there. Hi, so uh, this is one of the first my first times attending an event like this. I mean. Uh, it was great to know like what the community goes through i mean a person like me can only imagine i mean i've never experienced like racism firsthand to see this it was like a little overwhelming but uh, from what i understand is like the way the media portrays these issues like a community in general it paints the entire community with a broad brush i mean so and and this message goes across like over the world i mean i'm not an american so i come from india and if you see uh, like the media propagates this message that okay uh, America has this problem with you know criminals and uh, most of them are from a certain community so it sends out the message that okay you have a lot of bad apples from this community so I guess we should you know try not to paint each community like each community gets stereotyped. you have the same thing going on with Asians with African Americans with all sorts of people so I think this is a right step in the right direction to you know, kind of folk showca- showcase like that uh, we have people from all sorts of backgrounds. And it was nice knowing that even anyone from any background can grow up to be a productive citizen of society if they're given an opportunity. So I, I thought this was a right step in the right
3: direction. What is the best way you think that we could get a Washington State parole board? How can we get sentences uh, commuted more so, how can we get poly- policymakers more in touch, very in touch with the people they're making policies about, because they are very disconnected?
1: That's an amazing question, sir. I think that we should start by getting policymakers to actually see the faces of these people that they're making policies about and for. Right? They said that President Obama was the first sitting president in the history of the United States to actually visit a, a, a prison. Right? And when you're able to be literally disconnected, and that's the, that's the power of segregation. When you live in segregated communities, you don't have to see the people that you're stepping on for your lifestyle to persist. And so I think that we should start by, um, these policymakers need to be visiting the places that they're setting policy for. They need to br- visit the juvenile detention centers, they need to visit the prisons, they need to have conversations with people in communities. Right? The first time that a prosecutor sees someone they're prosecuting likely is at the time of prosecution. A lot of times that black and brown men are having conversations with police officers is when we're right here, right? Other than that, we're not having, we're not in community, we're not talking, we're not seeing you, right? We're not speaking with each other, you don't know me. And so I think it starts a relationship, at least there. Uh, At this point, you know, I think it's a few steps to start trying to change the minds of policymakers, right? There's no first – there's not one step that's just going to get straight and cut to the core, right? we got to – baby steps, we got to get there. Um, So I think starting with getting these people in the same place, the same room, before they're in the system to have a relationship building, I think that could be a good start. It could be.
4: Policymaker. Like I said, uh, I'm not – parole board's – People that are are calling the shots, I've lost faith in them. So I'm not worried about what they're going to change. I'm worried about what we can change. Right? That's number one. Number two, one of the things that have been incredible that I've seen happen and seen some really, some hearts and minds really change is when I do peacemaking and healing circles with. Juveniles that were in juvenile detention or prison or, or ex-prisoners that have been locked up for most of their life sitting in circles with judges and prosecutors. And, we, and we've done three-day circles, eight hours a day. And those men end up hugging each other in tears, right? Now all of a sudden they've been humanized to each other. You're no longer just an image to me, a case number to me, or labeled as an ex-felon or con to me. Now you're Johnny. And Johnny, I know the trauma you've been through. But damn, I'm a judge and I've been through some trauma too that I didn't even realize, right? So now I'm tapping into my own trauma and realizing the only difference between me as a judge or a prosecutor and the person that's sitting across from me is the fact that they had way less opportunities than I did and way less resources than I did. But I could have ended up just like them if I was in their shoes, right? I know that sounds like something that would take forever to change the hearts and minds and the perspectives of a lot of judges and prosecutors, but we got to start somewhere, right? And if we can start right now and start planting those seeds right now, because I could bring some judges and prosecutors in here right now that says we're tired of locking people up, and I mean, it's hurting them, which you don't really think about that. You don't think a judge is hurting from locking somebody up or a prosecutor is hurting from locking somebody up, but we have literally planted those seeds and built those relationships where now when they see those kids come into their courtroom there's some empathy there and that's what we got to start doing and if we can blow this up and make it bigger which we're in the process of working on now but as we blow this up and make it bigger long after i'm gone it could probably be huge we're working on a new way of doing court a new punitive system well not the punitive system but a community system a community court is what we're working on right now. And the prosecutors and the judges and the, and the um, DAs are at the table with us. And they're talking about this with us. Right? So instead of this kid getting charged with this gun, first-time gun charge, this kid's got his first defense for getting caught with a gun. He was probably holding it to protect himself or something because he's in some crazy areas. But at the end of the day, that kid shouldn't get put in jail or prison. That kid comes to the community court. And the community court takes him through the process of healing. Building the healing circles, we'll sit down with the prosecutor and the judge and, and, the, and the parents and the, and the youth, and we start figuring out what does this kid need, what's this kid been through, and what does this kid need to be successful. Let's build a support team around them, and let's make sure we push this kid in the right direction. All they need is the right people in their ear. You'd be absolutely those kids that just left. One of those kids had four felonies and was getting ready to be charged as an adult at seventeen years old, sixteen years old. He's now seventeen. He was on his way to adult prison. But because of the work he was doing with us and because we were able to build a different narrative and able to bring him in front of the top prosecutors in King County and have him tell his story. Those charges are gone now. No felonies. He's not going to prison. He's going to school. He has a job. He's being responsible. And he has a team of mentors. That's one of my mentors. That's one of my mentors. And that's one of my mentors right there. I got guys everywhere I go. I got teams. of people. I'm building an army. It has to start somewhere. So, like I said, I'm not worried about them ch- them making the change. I'm worried about changing them, and then breaking the system.
0: So you you have, go ahead. You have to excuse my ignorance on this, but I understand that the SPD has been under investigation from the Justice Department for uh, excessive violence, oh, abuse, for, yeah, excessive force, force. Yeah, profile. and so I was I heard Andre Taylor in the press conference because the prosecuting attorney did not st- submit or not did not. Prosecute the the shooting officer not convicting the officer. Yeah, Yeah. so that's why I'm saying excuse my ignorance in this because I'm you know I just hear this stuff I don't really understand what's completely going on So maybe you can talk about what the Justice Department has decided on as far as SPD what they're doing the about the law About the the malice law. I know the malice law because I go to the the, uh, Not this time um, meetings on Wednesday, so I know Andre's trying to change the law but if you can maybe go on um, about what the Justice Department has said for SPD and their use of force. So what he's
1: referring to is that within, I want to say it's a, it's a, it's a referendum. It, it, it says that in order to convict a police officer as being a, a homicide versus, you know, being in the, act of, in, in the line of work, uh, you have to prove malice, malicious intent. And that's what's kept a lot of these officers that have shot young men that are unarmed down, what's kept them on the street and without getting fired is the fact that you have to prove in a court of law malicious intent. So you have to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that this officer with intention wanted to murder this person and had no connection to his his job. Once the police officer says that they felt threatened, malice goes out the door and it will never be talked about again. And So uh, brother Andre Taylor, who is a young man, Shea Taylor, who was shot in 2016, by police officers' stories, just absolute lies, as the media put out. They posted his uh, criminal past, his criminal record, the very day that they posted the information about the shooting, which they're not able to do, right? That's illegal. You don't post criminal information to try to legitimate why police officers extrajudiciously killed somebody, okay? His brother, Andre Taylor, started an organization, Not This Time, which is seeking to get that statement taken out. Um, So I believe that the question was just what is... SPD and the judicial system, just what, what's going on with them right now. And, yeah, and so that conversation is still being had. Um, two weeks ago, uh, three weeks ago, Brother Andre Taylor came and spoke at Rainier Beach High School on the same, uh, the day after he got the announcement that they are not going to be convicting the murder of Shay Taylor, uh, which, if you look at the evidence in the case, like, it proves that he was just killed, Right. And so there's a lot. There's a lot happening. There's a lot of organizing being done around it. There's the uh, 210 million dollars being put up for a new youth prison. Um, it's on 12th and Spruce. You can drive by any time and see that they're building right now. Which in 2015, the city council had a vote for a resolution that we would move our city towards no more youth detention. Okay, a year and a half later, they're still pulling 210 million dollars up and currently building a new facility. That doesn't look like a move towards no youth detention, does it? I just wanted to place a plug for what Brother was saying about restorative justice. At Reiner Beach High School, and in, in all high schools, the punitive system within, a high, within schools is very similar to the punitive system in our societies, wherein get three suspensions, a lot of times people are getting kicked out of school. The way that the security guards and the administration treat students is very similar to the way correction officers and police officers treat students. Society members. One of the things at Rainer Beach we're trying to get rid of is um, detention, suspension, and expulsion through restorative justice conversations. Um, and so through having a conversation where you identify the trauma and the harm being done, instead of punishing someone, because we've proven that suspension doesn't keep kids from getting suspended. I got suspended multiple times. Being suspended didn't keep me from getting suspended, right? So it's just a, it's an outdated system that doesn't work. And when you learn that things don't work, You got to try new things. Right. And I think that that's where the system is is currently at, where we're saying, hey, proof, proof, proof that shit don't work. It's continually harming our communities. You need to try something different. Here's an idea. Now, whether they take it or leave it will depend completely upon their integrity. I don't have much faith in that.
4: What's powerful is that we're doing, the young lady that just left, I was trying to get her to She, I'm training her uh, to do peacemaking and healing circles. Right now I'm in the Kent Phoenix Academy Alternative School in Kent Lake and a couple other Kent schools and a couple of Seattle schools are calling me to come to the table, some Tacoma schools are calling me, because what we're doing is, just like this brother said, the restorative justice piece, we're, we're doing this peacemaking and healing circles in the schools. I'm telling them to give me your highest at-risk youth. Give me your, your top ten highest at-risk youth, the most absences, the most referrals, the most expulsion, suspension, everything, I, I, give me those kids. And we're taking those kids and we're putting them in these circles and we're dealing with their trauma. We're taking them through a process of healing and then we're bringing those teachers that have the most problems with, because it's always the same handful of teachers in every school that's kicking those kids out and throwing them, giving them referrals. They, all those kids will give you the same names over and over again. And we deal with the teachers and take them through a training on their own, take them through some healing circles, have them deal with their trauma and then we bring them all together. And we've been able to bring them out. And that sister right there was just in the last one we did two weeks ago up in the camp, uh, Phoenix Academy. And it was about 10 young brothers and about seven teachers. And we got together. And within an hour, everybody in that room was in tears. In an hour. And everybody was hugging each other. And and within an hour, there was so much trauma in that room. Everybody, right? These students are having enough problems outside in the community just to make it to schools hard. Just to get up and get into walk through the building is hard. Two of the young men have witnessed their best friends get killed within the last couple months, was there watching their friends die. And then they got to get up and come to school every day with that trauma when they were coming to school with their friends every day. And now they watched them die. You know how hard that is as a 16-year-old? You know what kind of trauma that is? And then, for some reason, they're acting up in class, so we're going to kick them out. But the teachers didn't know. I just want to say thank you, everybody, for coming. This is the kind of things that these things we have to do. Watch these kind of the hard questions. It's time for us to start talking and having hardcore conversations and not be politically correct about it. I need to know how you feel about black folks and black folks need to tell you how they feel about you and why we think that about you. And then let's talk about where those thoughts come from and how we develop those thoughts. And and then let's talk about how we get through them and heal them, because we're never gonna deal with them if we keep sitting up having surface conversations. Thank you.
0: Last comments from Jarrell. I
1: ain't got nothing to say. Peace, y'all, get home safely.
0: This podcast was presented by the Seattle Public Library and Foundation and made possible by your contributions to the Seattle Public Library Foundation. Thanks for listening.